The Colorado Business Roundtable unapologetically tells the story that business is a force for good in our community, featuring conversations with thought leaders from academia, business, community, and government. Welcome to A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. And this is where we bring interesting thought leaders from Colorado who represent academia, business, community, and government to the table to talk about what pressing issues are happening in Colorado. And I think this is the first time we've interviewed uh, our guest today, Pat uh, Myers with OEDIT, Office of Economic Development and International Trade. Um, welcome, Pat, to Seat at the Table. Thank you. Thanks for having me. To kick us off, you might be the person behind the curtain that not necessarily people know about here in the state, and you've provided such valuable leadership, particularly during COVID and recovery, not to mention what you do um, on the economic development front. So, Pat, what I think is so interesting about your bio is you have lots of different aspects to your background that make you such a valuable leader here for Colorado. Uh, military service, uh, private sector expertise, and of course, government expertise. And you've wrapped that all into what you've brought for leadership in your role as executive director and chief recovery officer for OEDIT. But uh, tell us more about your background. Fill in some gaps for us on how you ended up in this chair today. I don't know how far back in history you want to go, but I was in the Navy for six years on submarines, came back to Colorado, uh, went to CU Denver for undergraduate, and then uh, to uh, University of California for law school, and ended up after that both clerking for the, Supreme, the state Supreme Court, working in a law firm, part of the AG's office and doing criminal prosecutions. And then I was in the restaurant business basically for 20 years. When I left that partnership, which we had sold our last big restaurant chain, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I've actually never really planned any of this, just kind of, you know, opportunities. I can relate to that. About three months later, John Hickenlooper asked me to be his chief of staff. And that's where I started sort of state government work. Well, and I think what's interesting about that, I sometimes hear people criticize government for not really understanding business. And then, uh, you know, sometimes we can criticize the private sector. They don't always understand the dynamics of what happens in the public sector. What would be a misconception you think about both of those? It's interesting that you've had experience in both. Of course, our governor has as well. Well, I think one big misconception is the quality of the state workforce, which I think I think people uh, sometimes view government workers as not on par with the private sector. And I actually completely disagree with that. I think the quality of our state workers is as good or better than my experience in the private sector. They're thoughtful, they care deeply about what they're doing, and I just couldn't say enough about it. From the private side, I, I do think that particularly career state employees uh, have a better understanding of the business world. I, I think that they... They also have to live within the, the bounds of government. And, you know, government is different than the private sector. You have turnover in an administration at least every eight years. Uh, and that's going to bring new emphasis and uh, new approaches. And, you know, that's probably a little difficult for state workers to, to have to all of a sudden shift in how they've been doing something. So I, I think it's those kind of things. Yeah, I think I think that really makes sense. And particularly during COVID, uh, everybody had to shift. So that that brings me to your current role with OEDIT. You know, I think you and I met when COVID hit. That was when you were brought on to lead 
um, the Office of Economic Development and International Trade. I do think you need to shorten the name. Uh, that's why people just call it OEDIT. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a mouthful. Yeah. But bring me back to some of those early days, because I can think through the, some of the changes we saw with our business and academic groups in particular and what they had to pivot to. But what were some of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome during your tenure as executive director? And then kind of the flip, what what were the opportunities that you saw? And when COVID hit, which was really January and February of 2020, I was working on John Hickenlooper's campaign. And Governor Polis and his chief of staff asked me to come in, not to edit, but actually on the emergency response team. And that's when, Debbie, you and I first met, but I was doing, I was in charge of buying PPE and medical supplies for the state. Um, that whole environment, not just what I was doing, but everything the state was doing in reaction to COVID was just massively different than we had ever done before. Uh, and for example, I stood up a team of nine people that I just took from various agencies because I either knew, knew them or knew of them and they were talented and they all agreed to volunteer to come in and start doing something that the state had never done before. Wow. And does it feel like a blur to you, Pat? Because I actually started this role in January 2020 and this kind of just barely got, you know, I knew where the restroom was basically and then COVID. Uh, you know, it almost, I, I feel like we're all going to be old people someday saying, where were you when, you know, when, when that time came and, and what were you doing and how did you react? And of course, not everybody had a driver's seat role like you did, but I, but it just feels like a blur. It is a blur. And it's because we were, we were making things up as we were going across the state, whether it was the public health people. Although I think our public health people did an amazing job and really, Followed science. I think the governor did a great job. So it's not that. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but we were all just like, huh, we've never done this before. So how do you do it? And, and, you know, and that, I think the federal government people were having the same problem and there wasn't any coordination. So you know, we all, all 50 states were kind of doing it on. And it became, it started to become a little less crazy going into 21. And that's, when the governor asked me to take on the chief recovery role, which again had never existed, uh, and uh, to lead OEDA. That was about probably February or March where I actually became the ED of OEDA and started building the chief recovery role. Well, and that's great. And I know that your role is going to be shifting again, looking ahead into 2023. Do you want to describe how your role will be different going forward? I'm going to leave OEDA. I had given the governor you know, I, I told him that I would do it for a year and I ended up doing, going on two, but that's okay. It's, I love the agency and I love the people, but it, it just became uh, a little bit too much to do both OEDA recovery and uh, out of last session, I also took on housing. It's a long story, but OEDA has never traditionally been a housing agency and we now have three significant housing programs from two OEDA. So what I've committed to the new ED and to the governor is that I'll stay working on two of the three housing endeavors. I'll be doing recovery as well. And under recovery is infrastructure and inflation reduction act. I was uh, thinking, gosh, um, any one person, you know, one of those is a full-time job plus, probably a two-person job. So um, I know 
you know, we're glad we're not losing you in terms of the state. That's for sure. But what a, what a heavy lift, um, particularly on housing. I'd love to talk with you about that at some point. Um, you know, so critical in terms of everything we deal with, with our large employers when they, when their employees can't find appropriate housing. So such a big, big issue. And speaking of which, you know, we think about, um, attracting and growing business sector here in Colorado. So you're wearing that hat plus the housing hat. What does that look like in terms of supporting job creation generally through OEDIT when you think about job creation, moving companies here? And then I'm curious, you know, how you might drift into the housing conversation on that as well. I think they're connected because what we saw out of the Great Recession and what we're seeing now is lack of mobility because of, as well as other things that are keeping people out of the workforce like childcare, lack of childcare has had a pretty significant effect on women. And uh, just workforce availability and training, as you know, we've got two open positions for every unemployed person. Our unemployment rate uh, is one of the best in the country. So when we're attracting businesses, we've got, we've got some really, a really good story to tell in a way. We're, we're a very high percentage of college graduates. We've got an obviously a, appeal, just our lifestyle of, of Colorado. And we've got a lot of industries that are sort of cutting edge industries, which is what OEDIT has been focused on and the administration has been focused on. So we have a great story to tell, but we also had, up until recently, rising housing prices and lack of availability. We still have lack of availability, and they're still expensive compared to what they were, you know, a few years ago. Uh, and we still have <coughs> workforce issues. So we have put in place these housing programs and others, and we have several dedicated workforce efforts, both through OEDIT and otherwise, that are really trying to tackle those those problems. What else do you see in terms of recovery? I think I think you referenced, you know, every state did things a little bit differently during COVID, during recovery. It'll be interesting if we can uh, look back, you know, five years from now and think which states did what well. And I agree with you. I think by and large, Colorado, as we're trying to make things up, you know, we still maintained a pretty healthy business environment, which of course keeps people employed, keeps the economy churning. What else are you seeing looking ahead recovery-wise that should be on the radar for us? So in a lot of ways, we've recovered very well. Uh, and I won't bore you with a whole bunch of statistics, but compared to a lot of other states, on paper, we're in pretty good shape. We still, like every other state, see some supply chain issues, although those are starting to free up. I think the question that that we've talked about internally is what's our recession risk? I'm not smart enough to predict whether there's going to be a recession or not. Uh, certainly we're seeing a slowdown in some of the numbers, but consumers seem to be holding up and Colorado consumers are a very important part of our economy. It feels like we're in, as, in about as good a shape as we could be going into next year with the headwind of the Fed continuing to raise rates and trying to slow things down. Right. That That's where I think the trick is. I mean, most of our employers have a federal lens and a global lens. These are the big employers. And so, you know, there, there are things the state can do to maintain competitiveness, but it's underneath this umbrella of uh, geopolitical, you know, what's Russia going to do? What What's <clears throat> natural gas going to do to affect fertilizer, to affect food supply? I mean, these 
these forces that are, um, you know, even if we do everything right as Colorado, it, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't uh, make us immune to all the other things going on in the world. So it's, yeah. it's probably hard. I, I can't wrestle all that. Like that, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. Well, and it's one of those things that whether you're in the state or whether you're in the private sector, there's only so much you can do to get ahead of it. My friend Jason, who is an economist, Jason Schrock, who works for me, he, he likes to remind me that predictions are really hard, especially if they're about the future. So, <laughs> True. Uh, I also think that, you know, we had a tremendous amount of federal stimulus money come into the state uh, between 2020 and, and uh, really the end of 21 or so. And I think that we have tried very hard to, to use that money in a meaningful, transitional, transformative, long-term way. And, you know, very still out. We're, we're just starting to spend some of it. I think where we came out in the programs that we have were really aimed at things that people that the community as a whole had identified as areas where we needed resources. Well, and you might have answered my question, because Pat, I know we talked about that when some of that money was coming to Colorado. And part of your job has been to, how do you use that efficiently, track it efficiently, you know, be a steward of public money. Is there anything we could do differently? Uh, and, and perhaps this is a way for the private sector to lean in as well to accelerate recovery um, in Colorado, we talked, we already talked about housing as one, childcare as one, but anything else that you think would help, um, in terms of Colorado's long-term competitiveness? Well, a couple of things come to mind. One is workforce. We need to really partner with industry. We are the workforce and recognize that a lot of our kids coming out of high school are not going to get a four-year degree. And so how do we enable them for success at the same time giving the industry the workforce that they need. And that's a couple of our programs are aimed at doing just that. But the more that we can get the private sector involved in that conversation, the better it's going to be for the state. Also, we have, um, for the first time, we have a P3 office. And in our budget submission letter, we asked for additional money for the P3 office. Uh, woman who runs it is Natrice Bryant. She's excellent. And again, the more that we can work with the private sector. There are things that government does great and there are things that the private sector does great. And if you can merge those, oftentimes you end up with a pretty incredible outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's always been our our strong suit as Cobert is we don't just represent private sector. We I, I think you've heard me say this before, Pat, the ABCG, Academia, Business, Community, and Government. And so realizing that when those four sort of groups get together, we can be more powerful together in terms of solutions. But but that's really been our number one issue the last two years is workforce and trying to find a, a seat at the table for industry to be more aligned, whether it's with higher ed or skills-based jobs or credentialing pathways or, or any of that. So uh, that's music to my ears. And hopefully we can all find a way to just increase paths of opportunity for everybody going yeah, forward. Exactly. Well, perfect. Anything else? Uh, where where would folks find more information about OEDIT, about economic recovery? I'll definitely put um, OEDIT.colorado.gov on the website. But anything else you want to share before I move into what we're calling our lightning round? Well, first of all, we just uh, launched our, our recovery dashboard. It's at a website called Colorado Forward. 
it's a great website. Our operations folks put it together and it's got uh, a lot of information on the programs, on how much we've spent. Um, ultimately, it'll have pretty good information on outcomes. So I would encourage anybody who's interested in recovery to, to look at that. Uh, there's a website, Opp- Opportunity Now, I believe, and that's the 1350 work, House Bill 1350 from last year, which is uh, $85 million that's going towards talent development. And so I'd love for industry to take a look at that. We're just about to launch grant solicitations for that program, and industry can partner with either higher ed or other educational institutes. It could really be helpful in the state. Yeah, that's fabulous. I actually served on the 1330 task force way back in the day. Uh, So that was my, uh, (laughs) that gave me a lot of interesting insight, I think, into how some of this federal spending um, plays out. But it's exciting to see it all the way through from the task force to the legislature to the governor's desk to now implementation. So we're definitely pushing that out to our industry partners as well. So that's great. Perfect. Well, we're going to wrap this part up. We started this new thing. It's a little bit, a little feistier, kind of this lightning round on a couple quick questions that just adds a little bit more insight into you as a person and as a leader here in Colorado. So uh, these are the kinds of things you don't have to think too hard. We'll just kind of shout them out and you can uh, give some insight. And this this gives me new places to um, visit in Colorado as well. So Pat, first one is what is your favorite powerhouse lunch or happy hour? Well, um, I don't eat lunch, so I'm no expert on that. Happy hour, I think, used to be cat grill, but I'm not sure that's true anymore. I, I, I think it might be even like fire in our hotel uh, because you tend to see a lot of interesting conversations going on. That's true. And valet parking, which is and nice. valet parking. <laughs> that always helps if I have to go downtown. All right. Best way to relax? Cooking. Okay. Any particular type of cooking? No, I'm very broad. I'm, right now I'm on a, um, Israeli kick, but, uh, I'll, I'll try just about any. Wow. That's impressive. Very cool. All right. Favorite binge book, podcast, or Netflix series? Bosch, which Ooh. is a LA police detective series. Okay. Good tip. And then the last one is your best advice that you received to help you get a seat at the table. You know, I, th- I thought about that. I, I think the best advice I got was stay true to yourself and uh, treat people with kindness and respect, even even if um, they can be difficult. Try and get above that. It seems to have worked. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Well, you seem to be you seem to be the right person for the job on hurting a lot of different pots of money high-impact work for the state of Colorado, and and certainly in this time of sometimes extra divisiveness in the government, you know, sector, you know, to have grown-ups at the table. um, I've always appreciated your style and your dignity and how you've helped lead our state in what you do. So, Pat, thanks for joining us. Uh, This has been an episode of A Seat at the Table with Colorado Business Roundtable, and we're glad that you joined us today. A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown is a production of the Colorado Business Roundtable. You can find this episode, a listing of our upcoming events, and more information about our organization at cobrt.com.